Hello, and welcome to the Pages and Popcorn Podcast. The podcast where we, Jennifer and... Kalia. Two book nerds talk about movies based on books as well as the original source material. Two warnings. This podcast uses barnyard language. Why limit ourselves to only nice words? Some things warrant not-so-nice words. Also, spoiler warning. We will be talking about the endings of both book and movie, so prepare yourself. Okay. Let's get into it. It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Jennifer and Kelia will edify you. It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Jennifer and Kelia are gonna talk, so you'd better damn well listen. It looks so Christmassy in your house. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know. Tis the season, whatever that yep. means. So, yes. But the- it's filling me with holiday cheer in much the way the movies did not. Oh, boy. Okay, <laughs> well, with that lead-in, hello and welcome to Pages and Popcorn Podcast. This is a very special episode because it's our holiday episode, and we are not talking about just one book and one movie. Oh, no. We are talking about one very short book and one properly sized tv special and one hellishly long movie and then one perfectly paced movie so that means three movies and yes i totally just heralded and she's giving me the eyebrows it's fine today jennifer and i get our grinch on but before we do that real quick at the top of the show just a reminder that you can find all of our show notes and our resources and links and all kinds of fun stuff at our website which is at kmmamedia.com there's a pages and popcorn tab up there at the top go ahead and click on that and you can listen to our back catalog if you never listened if you're new to the podcast and you never heard our discussion of die hard um, the beautiful wonderful christmas movie that it is Feel free to go back in time and listen to Die Hard. That was our first holiday movie discussion. And then last year we did a Christmas story. So we have a couple different Christmas stuff up there for you and your listening pleasure. If you're traveling around this year, visiting people, because we, we couldn't travel last year, but we can travel this year. Sometimes some of us a little bit, whatever. I'm on a tangent now. Anyways, go visit kmmamedia.com. Find all that important stuff. You can also find us on Facebook and technically on Twitter, but don't bother. And on Instagram, KMMA underscore media as well. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok talking about books, book talk, as the kids say. So all sorts of fun stuff. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. In this, in the spirit of giving, before we talk about this commercialization lesson about what the important thing is. Of course, if you want to support us financially, we would love to be supported financially. You can do that via Patreon. You can do that via buy us a coffee. That's that's great. But really, it's all about goodwill, goodwill towards your fellow man, woman, child, reindeer, dog. And that means that we would love it if you gave us a like and a share on our social media. If you told your friends to listen, that would be great. And if you could rate and review us on whatever platform you are listening to us on, then other people will find out that we exist and then we will continue to share the love. So there you go. That's my pitch. Now it's time for the many iterations of The Grinch.
I don't even know if I should bother to recap. Everybody knows this story, right, Jennifer? <laughs> but you could say it in rhyme. Oh, I could. Well, then you practically should just read the book, right? <laughs> like, I was I was really tempted as a bit to just start reading the book to you. <laughs> But you well, know, it's not I, long. So it's not long. You know, it's really awful, though. I can't find my copy. I know that we own it or we owned it, but it's not in my Dr. Seuss books. It's not in the kid books and it's not in because they're kind of separated out and it's not in my Christmas book box. I have a special box full of just holiday books and it's not in any of those places. So I don't know where it is. So I have to, I have to apologize. I did not reread this book. <laughs> oh my. But I have read it several times in the past and, you know, seen the things. And last year, Ella was in the Grinch or not last year, sorry, in second grade when they were actually going to school, she was in the Grinch. She had a line and everything. She was a who she was adorable. I will post a picture on our show notes because see Cindy Lou who. She was not Cindy Lou Who. She auditioned for the role of Cindy Lou Who. But she's got the like the blonde hair. Oh, it. I know. She really looked the part for sure. But but when they did the line reading, because Cindy Lou Who is all sleepy when she comes out, Ella really played up the sleepiness. There was a lot of yawning and eye rubbing. And mm. like it's a second grade play. I think they just need the kid to say the line to get moving so they can get to the next. You know what I mean? But she was, oh, she man. was too much of a character actress. Yes, she was very dramatic. <gasps> Santa Claus. <gasps> Why? <laughs> Why are you stealing our Christmas tree? <gasps> well, I don't know if the audience can tell because this is not a visual media, but I, those are yawns. Those are. <laughs> doing so anyway she did not get the role she had a line a different line that she likes to point out every time we rewatch it which we did but okay I'm gonna just do a very quick recap of the three real fast just just in case you enjoy hearing it or you like listening to me or um because you haven't seen one or two of the other movies I'm guessing most people have seen the, the television special but you never know like it's a there's a new generation and of course as you as you probably know in our show notes, I put the time capture of my recap. So if you ever just want to skip me and go right to the conversation, you can do that. Here we go. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, a children's story by Dr. Seuss, written in rhymed verse with illustrations by the author. It was published in 1957. The book was adapted many times. The first adaption, adaptation was the 1966 animated TV film narrated by Boris Karloff. And here we go. So here is the book and the 1966 recap. I did those two together because otherwise I'm doing four recaps. And also the 1966 was literally somebody reading the book with the animation of the same drawings that were done. So it's the same story. It's not really an adaptation as much as a filming of the book. The Grinch is a grouchy cave dwelling creature who hates Christmas. His only companion is his unloved but loyal dog, Max. He resides in the snowy Mount Crumpet located north of the town of Whoville, home of the warm hearted Hoos. From his cave, the Grinch can hear the noisy Christmas festivities that take place in Whoville 
Continually annoyed, he devises a wicked scheme to steal their presents, trees, and Christmas food. Crudely disguised as Santa Claus and with Max as a reindeer, the Grinch rides a sleigh down the mountain to Whoville, where he begins to steal the Who's Christmas presents, Christmas trees, decorations, and food. When briefly interrupted by Cindy Lou Who, the Grinch concocts a crafty lie to effect his escape. He then does the same thing to all the other houses in the village, filling his sleigh. The Grinch then forces Max to pull the sleigh to the top of Mount Crumpet, intending to dump everything into the abyss. As dawn arrives, the Grinch expects the Who's to let out bitter and sorrowful cries, but instead, much to his shock, they sing a joyous Christmas song. This puzzles the Grinch until it dawns on him that maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more than just presents and feasting. With this realization, the Grinch's shrunken heart suddenly grows three sizes and he returns to Whoville, bringing back all the Who's belongings. The Grinch then participates in the Who's Christmas feast. Okay. So then in the year 2000, Ron Howard and Jim Carrey made a live action movie based on this book. It also, by the way, stars Anthony Hopkins as the narrator, Jeffrey Tanber, Christine Baranski, Bill Irwin, Molly Shannon, a whole bunch of people. Okay, here's the recap for that. All the Who's in Whoville enjoy celebrating Christmas. To them, though, Christmas is very commercial. It's all about the gifts, the lights, the competition with your neighbor for the best lights and extreme over-the-top buying and selling and decorations. Meanwhile, the Grinch, a misanthropic green creature who lives in a cave on nearby Mount Crumpet, hates the holiday and the Who's dislike him because of his mean-spiritedness, especially during the holiday season. And by mean-spiritedness, I mean that he sneaks into their town and is a dick to all things just to be a dick, like mean pranks and stuff. Six-year-old Cindy Lou Who believes that everyone is focusing on the gifts and festivities instead of on the personal relationships. Might Christmas mean something more? Shouldn't it be more than just presents? She encounters the Grinch at the post office, where he is being a dick to packages, and then he puts her life in danger. But his little conscious, the dog Max, reminds him that he isn't all evil, so he quote-unquote saves her, and then she's like, oh, thank you so much! And he harumps back home, and she sets out to discover the truth behind him, and discovers that he has a tragic past. The Grinch arrived in Whoville as a baby and was adopted by two elderly sisters. They are sisters according to Wikipedia. I wasn't sure because they're two ladies who lived together and they were literally having a key party on the night when he was left on their porch, but sure. So sisters, yes. Okay, by the way, he was left on that porch all night because of this key party. And so maybe that's why he's all green and different looking. It's not really explained, but he definitely looks different than everybody else. Whatever, he is a timid child. He's not as cruel as he would later become. In school, the Grinch has a crush on Martha May, a beautiful girl in his class who reciprocated his feelings, but there's a bully. The bully is Augustus Mayhew. And he was jealous that Martha liked the Grinch. And he started bullying the Grinch and Martha didn't do jack about it. So on Christmas, the Grinch made a Christmas angel as a gift for Martha, but accidentally he cut his face while trying to shave due to the, you know, Augustus making fun of him because he had a beard. So then Augustus and the classmates saw the cut face and then they all laughed at him. Martha doesn't laugh, but she also does not stand up for him. Even the teacher kind of laughs. And so he loses his temper. He declares that he hates Christmas and he flees to Mount Crumpet where he has resided ever since. He was eight. By the way, when all this went down and those mother figure sister ladies never bothered to go find him. So fuck them. But we're back in the present. And now Cindy has nominated the Grinch to be the town's holiday cheermeister. 
Okay, which outrages Mayor Mayhu, you know, Augustus, who's now the mayor, and Cindy climbs to Mount Crumpet to invite the Grinch to the celebration, and he eventually accepts, realizing that Martha may be there, and he could finally upset the mayor. As Cheermeister, the Grinch participates in several events and actually begins to have fun. But Augustus ruins everything by giving him an electric razor as a present, reminding him of his childhood humiliation and trauma, which has started this whole hatred of the holiday season. So, Augustus then publicly proposes marriage to Martha, giving her a gaudy engagement ring and a new car, because that seemed relevant, and then enraged because of male entitlement, the Grinch rates the Who's for their materialism by telling them that Christmas is only about gifts, that they will ultimately all end up throwing their gifts into the garbage. All that garbage is dumped at Mount Crumpet near his home. He shaves Augustus's head. He burns down the tree with a makeshift flamethrower. The Who's, however, have a backup tree, so don't worry. Then he goes on a rampage. A riot ensues, and then he returns home, full of ennui and frustration. Finally fed up with the Who's Christmas, the Grinch vows to crush the crew's Christmas merit. Because again, they put up their second tree. They cannot be stopped. They will still have Christmas. Oh no, says the Grinch. He was now going to go down and steal all their presents, all their decorations, all their food while they're asleep. He disguises himself as Santa Claus. He dresses his pet dog, Max, up as a reindeer. He descends into Whoville. The first house he enters is Cindy's. She catches him stealing their tree, and he lies to her in order to allow him to escape. The Grinch then continues stealing all the gifts, decorations, food, and stuffing them all into a large sack before climbing back to the top of Mount Crumpet in order to destroy it all by pushing the sack off the side. Upon awakening on Christmas morning, the Who's are horrified to discover the theft, and the mayor blames Cindy for enabling the Grinch to ruin the holidays for the town. Makes no sense, but that's fine. However, her cheerful father, who's the postmaster, Lulu Who, comes to his daughter's defense by explaining to the mayor and all the other Who's that he finally figured out what Cindy had been trying to tell the whole town the whole time. The Christmas is mainly about coming together with family and friends. It's not just gifts and fancy decorations. The Who's spontaneously agree with Lou because the plot needs them too, and they all start singing the Whoville Christmas Carol. So before the Grinch can push the sack of stolen gifts off the top of Mount Crumpet, he hears the Who singing and realizes that he has failed to prevent Christmas after all. And then he has an epiphany and he finally realizes the true meaning of Christmas, causing his heart to grow three sizes, which hurts him a lot, which is kind of understandable. The sleigh full of gifts then begins to slide over the edge of the cliff along with Cindy, who has come to spend Christmas with him because the meaning of Christmas is to be together. So why spend it with a, the creep who just trashed your whole town? I mean, instead of your actual family. Yeah, okay. So the Grinch gets the strength to lift the loaded sleigh and carry Cindy to safety, and they ride down the mountain to return everything. And the Grinch apologizes for his pranks and the burglary. He surrenders himself to the police who accept his apology, deny the mayor's request to arrest and pepper spray him. Martha even turned down the mayor's proposal, returns an engagement ring, declaring that her heart belongs to the Grinch for some reason, somehow. And afterwards, the reformed Grinch joins the Who celebration feast carves the roast beast himself in his cave, surrounded by the town. <sighs> 18 years later, they were like, you know what we need? Another Grinch movie. This time, we are going to make it a computer animated Christmas movie. It's going to be produced by Illumination. Illumination! You know, the ones that made Despicable Me, etc. It was directed by Yaro Cheney and Scott Moser, doo -doo -doo, and it was narrated by Farnell Williams. The film stars the voices of Benedict Cumberbatch, Rashida Jones, Kenan Thompson, Angela Lansbury, and again, Farnell Williams. In the town of Whoville, the human-like people called Who's are filled with excitement about celebrating Christmas. However, the only one who is not amused by this is the cantankerous and green-furied Grinch, who has a heart two sizes too small. 
He lives in his cave with his much-loved dog, Max, and only goes into Whoville to buy groceries and to play pranks on the citizens. He is very loving to his dog, Max, though. And after watching him get followed around by a choir of well-meaning but hyper-annoying carolers, I'm a little bit sympathetic to this Grinch. Meanwhile, six-year-old Cindy Lou Who notices that her mother Donna is overwhelmed trying to take care of herself and her two twin infant brothers, Buster and Bean. Cindy initially decides to send a letter to Santa Claus to get help for her mother, but after an encounter with the Grinch, who sarcastically tells her that if the matter is so urgent, she'll have to talk to Santa face-to-face, she decides to go to the North Pole. When Donna tells her that a round trip to the North Pole would take about a month, she instead decides to try trapping Santa Claus on the night of Christmas Eve with the help of her little gang of adorable friends. With Christmas approaching, a bungled attempt by the Grinch to ruin a tree lighting ceremony results in him having a flashback about his disjointed childhood spent alone and unwanted in an orphanage. The Grinch soon decides that he will steal Christmas from Whoville to assuage his distress. He and Max acquire a fat reindeer, whom the Grinch calls Fred, and steal a sleigh from his friendly neighbor, Brickbalm. With the test run, the Grinch and Max discover that Fred has a family, and the Grinch emotionally agrees to let Fred go home to them. By the way, the montage of the Grinch planning how to be Santa Claus and Cindy Lou planning how to trap Santa Claus is juxtaposed very nicely. They are very cute and their little plans are very similar to one another. On Christmas Eve, after making the Santa disguise and crafting dozens of gadgets to help him with his plan, the Grinch and Max, who pulls the sleigh in Fred's place, go down to Hoodville to steal the decorations and presents. He soon encounters Cindy Lou after falling into her trap. Her request to help lighten her mother's workload and her kind advice about listening to the Who's singing in order to alleviate his sadness touches the Grinch's heart. Despite this, the Grinch continues his mission, unable to let go of the loneliness that Christmas has brought him. After stealing every Christmas present and decoration, the Grinch and Max head back to Mount Crumpet to dispose of everything. The Who's wake up and they're shocked and disappointed to see that the presents and decorations are gone. Cindy Lou believes that she's to blame because of her Santa trap, but Donna tells her that Christmas is not centered on presents and that Cindy is the best thing that's ever happened to her. The Who's all join together to sing Welcome Christmas, rendering the Grinch puzzled to see why are they celebrating Christmas despite all of his thefts. Seeing Cindy, remembering her advice, he takes a moment to immerse himself in their singing song, to listen to the music, to listen with his heart, and his heart blissfully triples in size. Afterwards, the sleigh begins to fall off Mount Crumpet and the Grinch attempts to save it. He exceeds at this when Fred and his family come to the rescue. After securing the sleigh, the Grinch and Max slide down back to Whoville in order to return the stolen items. The Grinch apologizes, admits his crimes to the Who's. Then he returns to his cave, ashamed of what he has done. Feeling sorry for the Grinch, Cindy invites him and Max to celebrate Christmas at her house, which he awkwardly offends. When seated for dinner, he realizes that it wasn't really Christmas he despised, but being alone and his bitterness over being neglected. With this, the Grinch finally accepts the Who's friendship and enjoys Christmas with them. The end. I might need to drink a drink of water. That was a lot. That was a lot of filler for what was essentially a perfectly told story. <laughs> okay. Do you have memories of watching this, the original, on TV every year? Absolutely. It was one of my favorites, and it was a cathartic moment when his heart grew three sizes that day. That was one of the special moments of childhood that even as an adult, I watched that and I go, his heart grew three sizes that day and he can lift the whole slate. He's like this super creature that is bringing Christmas back to the who's because they already have Christmas. Yes. We didn't have TV as a kid, but my grandparents had this on VHS. If I remember correctly, 
we would go to my grandparents' house for a big, like, you know, Christmas dinner and we would all have dinner. And then while some of the, the older teens and like the grownups did the dishes, the kids would all watch this and then, and grandpa would get the tree and the final touches. And then when this was over, pretty much the adults would have their coffee and they'd be sitting in the other room and we could all run back in there. And then we would get to open presents. And that was part of our Christmas, you know, really sweet. Eventually we kind of got too cool for school. and was like, we'd go outside while we were waiting, you know, because we were cool. And, uh, I don't, I'm not in contact with any of those cousins anymore. And I'm rarely nostalgic for that time, but yeah. Yeah. This movie still gets me <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. I still love it. I never had a too cool for school with the Grinch. Um, <laughs> and we would kind of do the teenager thing after a while poking holes at, well, why do they move like this? Why do they do that? You know, but that's kind of that teenager thing to do like the Smurfs. Well, if they only have one female, are they an egg laying race? Like how do they get other Smurfs? But it's not important. It's right. just picking at stuff to pick at it. Definitely a teenager thing. So then I think I went, I, I know I watched it with my ex-husband. Like I know it, it was probably on at some point, but it wasn't like part of a tradition or anything. Now it's a tradition in my family. We watch it every year. We don't watch it specifically on any specific time or for a specific thing, but we always get it out and watch it at some point, you know, because it's in our, and it's in our rotation, it's our, our holiday movie rotation. And there's a reason why it's still good. It's been what, 50 years? I mean, yeah. 1966. Yeah, man. And it's, it's amazing to me that it was this just, and it's short. It's like 26, 28 minutes long. It was a TV special, which is, it's kind of funny that the whole point of the, of the story is not to be about commercialization, but of course in TV in the sixties, you had to get sponsored. So there was a bunch of commercials. in it, which I just think is proof that you can have two thoughts in your head. You can be like, yes, rampant commercialism and capitalism is bad, but we also do need goods and services and the way our society is set up, you know, but like, let's not just focus on that. So, you know, whatever, it doesn't bother me, but that is kind of an interesting thing about the theme of this book is the who's have all these material goods. They're not shy about it, but that doesn't replace what Christmas means for them. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing you can have gift giving it's fun you know it's enjoyable it's especially um when you're a child and having those magic moments you wake up and you have to stuff stocking and all this you know all this goodness uh this year i got my mom an advent calendar so every day she opens up a little thing gets a cookie or a chocolate or some earrings and so it's fun but it doesn't replace the true meaning of christmas which we should get into with this yes the true secular meaning of christmas because and I mean, it maybe is this a secular is, story. It is. It is a completely secular story. And I, I personally am of. Here's Kalia's lukewarm take. You ready? Christmas is a secular holiday. That is my belief because it has taken over, and you don't have to be Christian to do Christmas. As I mean, we're both sitting here right now. I am literally wearing a Christmas sweater. My background is full of presents that I was wrapping. Jennifer can see I'm very festive, not a Christian, but because you can say, okay, this is about Jesus and birth and nativity and and star and lot, or you can say it's the feelings that are rooted in paganism that have transcended. Okay. So I would like to get a little bit into the history of Christmas since it pertains to this and what the true meaning is. Uh, 
the celebrations that happen around winter solstice far precedes Christianity. So you have uh, the Romans celebrating Santalina, which is almost like a Mardi Gras. There's lots of drinking and revelry and wine and fun. And in the Bible, you're actually not supposed to have a Christmas tree because it's pagan. And then you have the Germanic and Vikings up north, and they have the Yule log. And they do a lot of slaughtering during that time because it's an easy way not to have to feed animals throughout the winter, which would be difficult. And so this is a time when you have fresh meat, you have a lot of feasting. Odin was actually kind of the black Santa Claus or the Krumpus or whatever you want to call him. He would fly over and punish people who were bad. So people would stay in during that time. So there's a lot of really interesting stories that happen because this is, this is the shortest day of the year. Yes. Cross-culturally, you'll have stuff going on. One of my favorite ways to celebrate, and we do this, we do Yule here. We celebrate it early, obviously on Yule, the solstice. And our whole thing is that we light candles and we, you know, we say, this is the shortest day. It is the longest night. But there's two things to get from that. One is that we're not alone. We don't have to go through the dark times of our life alone. We get to have light and share light. And when I light my candle and then I taper my candle, use my taper candle to light your candle, my flame is still on my candle. It doesn't take anything from my light to share my light with you. It doesn't diminish me to give love and light to you and to be here with you persevere through the darkest night of the year. And the second part of it is tomorrow night will be shorter. So it's hopeful. This is it. We've made it to this point in, in the, in the solstice in the year, and it's going to get better. Things will get better. It's part of us. And then things will get bad again. And then they'll get good again. They'll get light again. They'll get dark again. They'll get light again. They'll get good again. You know, it's just this beautiful cycle. I, I freaking love you all. It's my absolute favorite. I gotta say that's really beautiful on both accounts. Thank you. I give a whole little speech and we light candles and we, we, our light goes around. I light one, then she lights one, he, you know, it goes all through and then we leave a candle burning all night. I mean, you know, technically. So traditionally it was good luck to be born on the solstice, the winter solstice, because every day your life is filled with more light, Aww. much of like what you're saying. Yeah. So <sighs> this is a little bit more Christian history. Christmas history is that it was banned in many countries. If you wanted to celebrate Jesus, you celebrated Easter. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have shepherds mining their flock by night, that doesn't happen in winter. That happens in spring and summer. Right. So Easter was the big day. Christmas trees were banned. Christmas celebrations were banned because they were considered too bacchanal. It's too Mardi Gras. It's too party, too party time. And it wasn't until the 19th century that Christmas kind of came back into popularity as a time to give to the poor. So you can see Charles Dickens and Ebenezer Scrooge becoming a thing at this time. We have uh, the Oxford School of Thought in the Church of England bringing this back. And now it's this big, massive, huge holiday that's taken on a life of its own. So it's really interesting to look at, you know, quote unquote, the true meaning of Christmas, Mm -hmm. because in Seuss, this is a secular story. And so they kind of leave it open-ended, but it's about the love of family, of friends, of community, of having gratitude, you know, of giving light into our lives. Yeah. And that's the true, the, the true meaning there. And, you know, you can say the Grinch and Scrooge are very similar characters, right? They both are anti 
whatever Christmas symbolizes for their, their community. And then they have this extraordinary experience on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. And then they are reborn with this appreciation of community. And in both cases, they go to share food with people. That's why, again, as a pagan, eating is a big part <laughs> of what, how we celebrate. And it's well, all about sharing food. It was about feasting. Yeah. You know, that's just, I'm saying, thing. that's one of the things that we carry over. <laughs> a lot of food, a lot of food. So it's sort of interesting, you know, the true meaning of Christmas uh, has been taken by Christians to be remember Jesus, you know, it's Jesus's birthday, but that was mainly a marketing thing for early Christianity to help bring pagans into the fold. Mm-hmm. And no offense to Christians out there. It's just, this is the history of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I would, I'll say that there are definitely some Christians, fundamental Christians who are like, no, this is Jesus's birthday. And this is, that's what it is. But a lot of Christians understand that Christmas has now kind of become what it is and has gone beyond that. Of course, if you listen to Fox News, they're going to tell you that there's a war on Christmas. But I would say that most run of the mill average Christian people out there don't care if you say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. There's a score ask you, what do you say? I say Happy Holidays because I personally, I mean, we celebrate Yule. But I'll say Merry Christmas to my mom because she celebrates Christmas, right? I mean, it just, you know, but I'll say Happy Holidays if I don't know, because I'm not going to assume because there's also Hanukkah. We're like finishing Hanukkah right now as we record this. But Hanukkah's, I mean, it's not the level of Christmas, but it is an important Jewish holiday that happens around this time of year, every year. And so, it, you know, I, I like Happy Holidays. That works and then there are those who celebrate the 12 days of Christmas, which starts on December 25th mm-hmm. and then ends, I think, January 6th. Yeah. Well, and that through Epiphany, which is when the wise men actually showed up. The point is there's so many different ways to celebrate these holidays. And we haven't even talked about Kwanzaa, right? I mean, there's just, there's a lot of holidays and then New Year's is a holiday. So happy holidays works. And I use them interchangeably myself. You know, it's yeah. Merry Christmas is happy holidays. If you want to be British, you say happy Christmas. so let's bring this back to our movies okay so the 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 original 1966 movie was kind of mixed reviews some people found it really schlocky and they didn't really like it all that much it's really funny that it has become this cult i mean it's not just a cult classic it is a classic classic and it has endured but there was a period of time where people were like, eh, whatever. Like they didn't, they didn't feel it in the late sixties, which is kind of funny, I think, but yes. Uh, There's a lot of like Christmas stuff. Like it's a wonderful life that became sort of these very like traditional films, not because people liked them when they came out, but because they were available every year. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that last year with a uh, Christmas story, just because it's on all the time and you know it by heart doesn't necessarily make it a good movie. There's my hill and I've died on it. It's fine. So I just stuck my tongue out at Kalia <laughs> because of the ice pool scene. <laughs> but yes. Right. Okay. So then, so here's the thing. You've got this book movie that really they're, they're, they're the same, right? The movie is basically the book, right? The 1966 version. Yeah. There's and, a little bit of padding with Max and the sleigh ride. And that's the only padding. And there's a song. Get. There's a song, you know, mm-hmm. that like narrates what's happening, but it's, you know, the song's not in the book. The song is great. We all have, we can recognize the song. This movie that is- was written by Dr. Seuss and they called it a uh, Seuss Latin. 
because <laughs> it's, it's this weird like that, oh, that weird, song but i've yeah. also met the grinch song like mm-hmm. that you're a mean one mr. mr grinch yes which you may recognize as tony the tiger he was the yes. one who voiced that and he's got the craziest name i love his name it's thorough ravenscroft ravenscroft yeah, yeah Thurl Thurl Ravenscroft. Ravenscroft. Oh my God, what a name. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was the Tony the Tiger because of his extremely deep bass. Yes. But he does such a beautiful job. So Boris Karloff couldn't sing, so they got Thurl Ravenscroft. God, that name is fantastic. It sounds like something you made up for yeah, like a D&D a, character. A high fantasy novel. Like, <laughs> it's a knight, Knight Ravenscroft. <laughs> Here's yeah, my so father, if you ever see his picture, he's got like the little pencil mustache and he looks like his name would be Thurl Ravenscroft. Anyways, yes. So it is it is very well done. And then 54 years later, they were like, you know what? You know what would probably make us a bunch of money? <laughs> Are you doing it? Uh... And okay, right. so Jennifer, I have to ask. Yes, ma'am. Are you a Jim Carrey fan? No. Okay. I cannot sanction his buffoonery. So, okay, this is interesting to me. I am not a Jim Carrey fan when it comes to his comedy. I find him over the top and annoying. It doesn't, it doesn't work for me. It works for some people. I understand that. That's fine. That makes them happy. I think Jim Carrey does really good in dramatic roles. I've seen him do some really good dramatic stuff, but his, his comedy is not my cup of tea so this movie was a jim carrey movie it it had the trappings of the grinch but it was it was jim carrey and so it's really hard for me to look at it outside of the jim carreyness because i don't like the jim carreyness so most of my complaints are going to be not about jim carrey because that's just a given i didn't i didn't like it but tell me what you thought about jim carrey and then i'll tell you about all the other things about this movie i didn't like so he has a lot of acting to do with this very thick makeup on and he does a good job considering that if that's a comedy style you like his teeth look a lot like the teeth from the cartoon where they're all jagged and messed up he's got a little shot where you know there are termites in your smile you see little termites going through so i'll give it that he is very into this role again i just find him awful but i could see where people would like his shtick he's made a huge amount of money doing comedy so to each his own i mean this is your mileage may vary we watched this i watched but showed this i'd never seen it before and we watched it this year and showed it to my daughter who's nine and she said well the grinch kind of looks like a cat so she wasn't overly impressed with the grinch makeup stuff i think it kind of hit that that uncanny valley where it's like almost too real and but not quite cartoony enough anymore and then it just becomes uncomfortable and that was kind of my critique of the whole thing my main critique is that it's an ugly looking film yes that's what i was just about to say is that the the whole the whole the saturation of the colors the filter on the camera it's dark and it looks kind of smoggy. Grimy, it looks grimy. like there's Vaseline yes. on it. It's not a. It's not slick and pretty and bright and and fun. It is. The hoods look de- like rats. It's depressing. Like just the yeah. like just the visuals are like we kept. I kept wanting to say, 
Is it my eyes? Like, what is wrong with this? And, and I thought, this is like somebody trying to do Tim Burton and not doing it very well, but like trying to do Tim Burton. It's Ron Howard. Like, there's no excuse because Ron Howard, come on, man. Like, this is, a, you do amazing work, but this, this is, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand how people can, can look at this and be like, oh, it's so pretty. <laughs> it's not pretty. It's, I, yeah. maybe that's just so subjective, but there's, there's some set design. Like they have the stairs kind of going up and going down. And it's like, that's taken from the book, but the coloration. Um, so to talk about the main book, it was published at a time when colors were kind of expensive. So it's in black and white ink, and then there might be a few primary colors. So the Grinch doesn't have any colors in the original drawing. It's just like his red eyes. Mm -hmm. And the green is something that was made in the cartoon. But yeah, it's just ugly and there's no reason for it. So the other huge difference is it's the Who's that are the materialistic sex fiends. And there are some weird ass scenes. Like I, I could not believe they had a key party in a children's film. Yeah. And a PG, like it's a children's film. It should be G. Why are they doing PG when there's a key party and kissing a dog's anus? Right. Well, and then also like doing, telling you to kiss your own butt. And then like, there's, there's, there's bitch, the word bitching gets used, which I mean, I curse all the time, but I don't expect that in it. What I would have assumed would have hopefully have been a G rated, but what I'm, what I gathered from reading is that this was not geared towards children. It was geared towards teenagers and, you know, um, I don't, I don't know how to say this teenagers and young adults who are of the Jim Carrey brand of humor. So like that. And when you talk to people or you do research online, the people who say they love this movie, most of them say I saw it as a teenager, or it was my favorite movie when I was a teenager and blah, blah, blah. So I feel like there is like this adolescent type of humor that is very much drawn to, but, but to take, what was a very childlike, innocent thing and then age it up in this bizarre way and have these sexual and have Kristen Brzezanski going, and like practically like orgasming on the screen at one. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre that this is, is what they decided to do with this story. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, it's a very strange. Sounds like they course. were trying to go for the nostalgia kick in a way. And that was geared not to children because they don't get nostalgia. It's geared right. to teenagers from the 20 year separation. So I don't know. I feel like it really missed. I mean, it obviously made the mark because so many people like this movie, but to me, it missed the mark because it wasn't fun to watch and it wasn't in, I mean, it, it, it just wasn't, I, in my notes, multiple times, I wrote the question why, and this is where I'm going to insert my nine-year-old's response to this movie. Are you ready? We're talking about your actual nine-year-old, not your inner nine-year-old. Yes. Okay. We just finished the Jim Carrey Grinch. Ellie, you said you have one thing to say. Let's not add this into a holiday movie rotation. <laughs> you didn't like it? Why did why was anything happening? Hey, you want to see one of my notes? <laughs> okay, hold on. What does it say right there in all caps? Why? <laughs> Excessive why? Yes. Well, yeah, Ella. 
I don't know. I don't care how confused you are. You are no more confused than the writer and director of this movie were. Ooh. Wow. Well, that was a thing that we did. That's not how you want to end a movie, a Christmas movie. You don't want to end the movie and be like the kid go, why did we do this? And be exhausted and kind of like vaguely just overall disappointed. It was just not good. And here's the thing, okay? This movie had potential. Jim Carrey stuff aside, there was a couple of things that could have really worked if, if some different choices had been made. For example, he makes a good point. You guys buy all this stuff and then you throw it all away and it ends up up at the dump, you know, where I live. That's a good valid critique of commercialism and rampant, you know, materialistic, you know, attitudes. But nobody ever follows up on that. It never gets resolved. Nobody does anything with that. It's just exists in a vacuum. And so that's disappointing. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to make a point, but then we're not going to make a point. Well, there's a lot of things that like, did you read the story? You don't need a backstory for the Grinch. You know, you're trying to answer questions that don't need to be answered. And it takes away from the mythology. At the same time, you're making it a shallower story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to go very in depth with this, this back, because it's not enough to be like, he was bullied as a child. We have to show he was adopted by these people. And then he was bullied as a child. And then this, and then he had a love interest. And it's like, okay. And then he was an eight-year-old who was off living by himself. But then at the end, when he shows back up, they're like, oh, we're so happy to see you, these sisters sisters and, and and i'm going but where were you for the last however many years where he's not been around you know like well, the first line is we don't know why he was so unhappy that's like right. the first line why are you trying to explain something when it's obviously not supposed to be explained and here's the thing i'm i'm not against prequels existing just uh you know across the board sometimes i think they can do a really good job they can flesh something out or or maybe answer questions that we didn't know we had or give us more information or whatever so it's not just that it's trying to prequel this right okay i'm not against prequels as an idea it's just the way this was carried out left more questions than it actually answered because what it feels like to me is that you're like these women adopted this baby and then were like cool with abandoning this child and didn't care and that sucks for adoption families and that sucks for kids and it's just it makes no sense like you're a bullied child and so your only response is to literally run away and be alone for years and years and years and then we have the trope of only the love of a good woman which is played out in both ways of the little girl the innocence and Martha May, who isn't going to marry the mayor and was going to end up with him, but also never went up there to get him. He's been up there for how long? Cindy Lou comes off a little too Anakin Skywalker for me. You know, she's who Jesus. She also has a song. 18 minutes into this movie, she sings a song. And then there's a song that happens while he's stealing things. And then that's kind of, I mean, but it's not a musical. So why does, why does Cindy Lou have a song? It's not a good song. Even it's, it's cloying. It's boring. <laughs> it's not good. I was, I was so disappointed because I knew I wasn't going to like the Jim Carrey stuff, but I was like, there's gotta be other parts to this that are going to carry it through because it is so loved. And, and they're just, there really weren't. If you're going to make the who's these awful creatures who have, you know, sex toy parties and are 
really pretty not that there's anything wrong with sex toy parties or swingers parties or key parties just gonna say that it's just they it's a weird thing to put into a kid's movie yes because you know i don't want to shame it that's your thing because that's cool but it's kind of an adult thing Mm -hmm. there's just so much pettiness involved there's the keeping up with you know what the neighbor's doing and the neighbor's sexier and so i have to you know feel downgraded by that there's just all this weird commercialism on part of the who's when they're supposed to be the heart you know it just if you're going to make a major change like that it throws everything up in the air. And so what is the Grinch learning? He was the anti-materialist in the beginning. And then he's like, well, materialism is bad. What, what is his cathartic epiphanic moment? Right. If you make these character changes like they are. Well, and the Who's, because they are materialistic at the beginning, their heel turn to, as a group, deciding that they're okay without having their stuff on Christmas because one man makes a speech because his daughter had a thought and the whole town changes their mind is, I mean, it stretches credulity for sure. It's not as cathartic because that then the Grinch has the same epiphany because we already have two, you can't have two different people having the same epiphany and have that epiphany hold this, you know, the same weight. Does that make sense? There's nobody to root for. The Grinch is awful. The people are awful. Yeah. Cindy Lou is annoying. It's just a little too perfect. You know, she's, 2000s perfect child syndrome you know there's there were a few too many anakins walking around <laughs> in the early 2000s and she is one of them and again the film is just so ugly the style yeah so the cinematography doesn't work the story the narrative structure doesn't work the jim carrey take it or leave it either works for you or it doesn't but the the less there's no real lesson here and it 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 falls very flat to me and it's just an uncomfortable thing now uh, you know, again, like I, I said that there, there was, there were moments where like, oh, okay, we're going to make a point. He's very artistic. You know, he, the, the ornament that he makes for Martha May as a child is beautiful and weird and awesome and, and artistic. And so there, you could have said something about like, he wasn't understood because he was different. Like he saw the world differently, you know, no, we're not going to do that. He was just different color. He was a different color. Jennifer, were there any black children in who in the who world? Were there any children of color? No. So we have a whole bunch of white kids making fun of the non-white character child who is artistic and, 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 but also like raised differently than them. Okay, fine. Okay. But all these white kids making fun of them. And then he has to go away. And then the white child decides out of the goodness of her heart to include him and and saves him I, is there white savior complex here because i kind of feel like there is a little bit i i just well, i don't know man and then he gets all mad because martha's getting married to this mayor guy or you know at one point but like i'm sorry dude you haven't seen her since you were eight you have no right to be to have any say into what's happening in this town you know what i mean you just show up and are dicked packages like there's no 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 go back to your cave and the way he treated Max was awful. I felt, I felt really bad be for fair, Max. The way Max is treated in the first yes. cartoon is awful because he's an awful creature. Yes. And you're supposed to not like him because he's awful. Yes. So here's like one of the things about the color in the first one is that the Grinch is a truly ugly color. 
in a beautiful film and his color changes. It becomes like a healthier green when his heart grows three sizes. His eyes change color. They turn into a blue. And so there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So and it is superficial beauty on the outside, beauty on the inside. But it was also the 60s. And it was a television special. <laughs> so like, I feel like not well, showing character transformation, transformation. Yes. And if you want to. So that seems to be the other thing that is missing is that we understand that the heart is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. You know, your actual heart doesn't look like, you know, the, the little cartoon heart with the pointy mm-hmm. part in the tube. And so when his heart is growing three sizes, it's not literally growing three sizes. It's, you know, he's not. Yeah. Okay. Again, again, putting on my try real hard to find something that I was like, okay, he's in pain because his heart is growing in a different movie. This would be the point that growth hurts. Sometimes it is painful to go outside of what we know and to grow and evolve into a new person. Sometimes change is hard. This movie would be an extremely charitable to this film. And that is not an intended message. I'm not saying that they did that. I'm saying they could have done that. It's like that's what I point. The potential is there. Like they could have made a point, but no, we just want to have Jim Carrey writhing around in pain. The end. That's what he does a lot of the time. Yeah. And he's he's so manic and just uncomfortable. Which Uh, I think was so the the dog is a very good actor. Cindy Lewis actually a pretty decent little actress. Not in this movie. Well, I mean, for a child actress, I mean, she does a really good job. She's given, you know, schlocky lines. Yeah, that's true. And a terrible song. That's not the actress's fault. Fair. Given the material that she had to work with, she does a really well, good job. Well, speaking of un- underutilized, Christine Baranski, I love her. She is amazing in The Good Fight and the and I she's just awesome. This movie did not showcase her assets. She just basically walked around and, and moaned a little bit and gasped and looked pretty. And I was just very underwhelmed with that. But I, I mean, we didn't really need a Martha love. In- Why are we putting a love interest into this movie? Like, it's not just that Haley hates love. Because you need padding. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah. And that's the other thing. This movie is freaking long. <laughs> they really padded it. Pad, 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 pad. And it was and unnecessary. I didn't padding. break his smile. There's one joke that I thought was kind of funny oh. when he's running around in his cave and he takes off the sheet and there's the like pile of silverware and he runs back and shoves that off because he's a Grinch and he has to make a mess. I'm like, oh, I almost smiled. The one part that I actually was like, okay, I can see the humor was that was when he was looking through his date book and he was like, oh, you know, at seven o'clock, stare into the abyss at seven oh five, look, you know, think sad thoughts at seven, you know, 15, have dinner with me. I simply can't cancel that again. And I thought that's funny because I feel like that was made into a 2020 meme when we were all stuck at home during the pandemic. So, you know what I mean? Like, but it's that connotation now of it, not I was like, oh, that's where this is from. <laughs> Not that it itself was, dis- dis- you know what I mean? Anyway, that was the only part where I was like, oh. Yeah. The most disturbing part of this film is in the cartoon, in the book, he's just kind of a brandish little pear-shaped character. In this one, he's wearing a transparent robe at one time and they have Grinch buttocks, which he didn't have in the cartoon. It's just kind of just a flat space, mm-hmm. you know, like Donald Duck. 
but we have buttocks and then there's this curly thing of fur in front of him. I can't help but think that he's naked in front of Cindy Lou when he's just standing there. And I don't want to think about Grinch private. Yeah, things. because then he's like wearing that weird like overall apron get up thing when he goes into town. So yeah, I was very there's... confused about when he was naked and when he was. And then he was splayed crotch shot at one point, but he had the little outfit on and i was like the reason he's wearing this outfit is because it's like the cats yeah i okay and then yeah, he was wearing it's like watching socks cats at one with... point randomly but then not in the next shot i was i i couldn't quite understand what was happening yeah there. so there, it was just it was so uncomfortable yeah okay so that was 2000 and then a mere 18 years later someone was like you know what we need to do okay this was shorter it was pretty I mean, spoiler here, but I thought this was adorable. I love the the look of it. Yeah. It looked more like Seuss. It was all with the rounded edges and it looked like little gingerbread houses. And I love the little- It's bright and colorful. And easy on the eye. It is it is cheerful. It's it's everybody's round. Their heads are round. Their, their doors are round. Like the everything looks soft. And I mean, it's computer animated, so that kind of works, but you know, it's just aesthetically, it was much closer to the Grinch that I think of, you know, of, of a Dr. Seuss type of Grinch. And then we have the story. I want to say that one of the things I thought was absolutely fantastic because I'm going to hate on this film quite a bit, but there's a couple things I really <laughs> like. So okay. this is my favorite Max out of all the Grinches. Yeah. Max is such a little sweetheart. And I kind of love that from a thematic standpoint, he shouldn't get along with Max. He should be rotten to Max because he's the Grinch. But I love this Max. I love the relationship and it's cute. I think the visuals are very pretty and bright. And I love the theft scene when he's going from house to house. That was so clever. And that was so Dr. Seussian in the way he had his shoes that would kind of escalate up and you could walk from house to house and you could see the stars moving as his sleighs sliding from house to house just it was inventive and very cool and if the rest of the film had been like that I would have loved it I liked it a lot I will just just head spoiler with that I did like it a lot and partly probably because I had just watched the Jim Carrey one and it's like night and day different so it's hard to not compare it you know in every breath to that but I I liked the the aesthetics of it for sure I liked the storyline you know yes I also I liked Max I liked that he wasn't such a dick to Max at the beginning he was still you know pranking you know and messing with the town but also when he's walking through town and that choir was following him okay that was hilarious it was also christian it was like the i took note of it going oh my god that's a christian song god, in a secular story yeah which made me think of all of those people who like proselytize to you and won't take no for an answer or like the freaking salvation army bell ringers who try to give you guilt when you don't put money in their thing by the way don't support salvation army because they're bigots and they hate lgbt people so i i liked that i liked that he was running away from those proselytizing you know whatever carolers i liked cindy lou and and her own little contraptions and ways of getting around and she was adorable and I liked Rashida Jones as the mom there's so many things that I liked about this I'm movie. shaking my head a lot at this so <laughs> okay, I, okay. I don't like the who's being so aggressive because that was part of the thing is they just lived their lives they weren't dicks and they always had the heart of Christmas to them that was like the point of the who's they didn't well I mean 
there's just that one choir. The rest of them seemed pretty chill and like a regular little town. You know, the mom works the night shift and she has to get on the bus, you know? So I felt like it was a little bit more fleshed out and that the, the one gag of the, of the choir, you know, chasing you down, especially when they were like doing freaking West Side Story as they came down the street. I mean, that was, that is like the same level of funny as the reindeer putting whipped cream in its nose and then blowing it. It doesn't make any logical sense. It doesn't have to. It was a funny gag. It was a one note and it was fine. And I liked it. So there. (laughs) I also liked the reindeer friend. I agree to disagree here. Okay. Because I am a purist unless it's improved in some way and what i loved about the who's is that they didn't really know the grinch the grinch wasn't part of their life the grinch was just this hermit who stood on the hill and the who's were going about their life they didn't push their beliefs on anybody they never had to be told what christmas was they don't have a moment of pausing going oh but our presents and stuff and the mom having to go oh well the true meaning of christmas we're all happy and then they can come together. I, I don't want that hesitation because they were the entity that was pure to begin with. Cindy Lou was the innocence that was a perfect counterpoint to the Grinch. Whereas this Cindy Lou is a little bit more cynical. She's, but she's not really a real child either. You know, when do you really see depth in her? She has a bunch of friends. There's, it's, to me, it's filler. It's just, oh, there's filler because we have 90 minutes to fill instead of 25. Okay, my turn. (laughs) (laughs) I I, aging Cindy up so that she is a foil to the Grinch, I thought worked really well. She wasn't pure innocence. What she was was selflessness. So, and, and sense, and she epitomized the idea of community because, and family, because his whole thing wasn't necessarily that he hated Christmas. He hated being alone. And we had a tiny flashback of, of the fact that he was an orphan. And so he was alone on Christmas and he didn't get to be around other people. And Cindy's whole thing is that she's surrounded by people. She's got two brothers and a mom and her mom is overwhelmed. And what she really wants to do is help her mom. And that is, and, and she has a community. She has a bunch of friends. So they are like opposite two sides of that coin of childhood with friends and family, childhood alone, using my community to help or going in and stealing, trying to steal and ruin people's community. Those are the two things. And like I said, in my recap, their little plans were basically juxtaposed. They're both called Santa Claus, you know, and his plan is to do this and her plan is to do that. But there, it worked in parallel to one another. You know, did she have a lot of depth? I mean, it's a kid's 90 minute, whatever thing, 86 minutes, nobody had a lot of depth. So that didn't bother me, but I did like the fact that she was cute. And she was like, I'm going to go to the North Pole. And the mom was like, yep, okay, have fun. See you in a month, which is a great parental way to do it. I thought that was great. And I thought that was a cute moment. As for your hesitation moment, the who's having to learn their lesson or whatever, I feel like it wasn't necessarily a hesitation of, oh, here's the true meaning of Christmas, you know, have to be taught, blah, blah, blah. It was that literally Cindy Lou had, she's lived all these Christmases. She's lived her whole life. Everything's been fine. One year she fucks around and finds out she like traps Santa and has a conversation with Santa and then everything changes. Who wouldn't be like, oh crap, was it me? You know, not to say that like that has ruined Christmas. She wasn't like Christmas is ruined and it's because of me. She's like, I talked to Santa 
and he punished us like that. Whoa. Like, oh my God, what the hell? But you know, and the mom was like, no, remember like that presents are, and the mom's thing was like, you're the most important thing. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. So again, it's, it's about family. It's about love and, and all of that stuff. And then they all sing and I'm sorry, but any movie where singing is going to save the day is going to get bonus points in my book. <laughs> I'm not a romantic, but my God, the power of song is essential. I love it. <laughs> and, and I, and I, and I, I'm agree with Cindy. Like when you just lose yourself in the music and you just close your eyes and, and it just, it fills you. There's, there's studies that have been done that Alzheimer's patients respond more to music and it can help with memory. It's like one of those senses, like, uh, like scent that really brings people back in a way that visuals can't in but some that's ways. That's kind of the thing is if you look at the book, if you look at the first cartoon, the rhymes are so perfectly done. They're fantastic. We can sing them right now because we probably remember them. They're done in this really interesting meter, anapestic tetrameter. So I'm probably going to say that wrong. Anapestic tetrameter is a poetic meter that has four anapestic metrical feet per line. Okay. It sounded cool. Yes, the book was cool. And I, I, they weren't going to do the movie. If they had just done shot for shot, there would be no point. So I thought that if they're going to make, which I don't necessarily think that they have to make a remake. Okay, here's that. But if you're going to make a remake, if you're going to retool it, then, you know, take what works, the, the look of it, the brightness of it, the colors of it, and, you know, don't try to compete with things that you can't. They do try to do a lot in verse. And I mean, there's there a was lot some of like rhyming added the narration was. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. But like, they didn't all talk in the same way. I thought it was cute. It was like a nod to the rhyming narration without it being overdone. There's so much originality in the original and that isn't brought in. It's just rhyming couplets. Agree to disagree. You know, anybody can write <laughs> rhyming couplets. I do it all the time. I write bad poetry constantly, but you're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel. You're a bad banana, Mr. Grinch, with a greasy black peel. I mean, there's the imagery in that. The creativity in that is completely missing. So they're adding lines to something that was already so perfectly done. Yeah, we can agree to disagree on that as well. So you have like fantastic comedians uh, like Keenan Thompson. And do you remember any line that he says? Oh, he's my best friend. And then there was something with the dog. You know, oh, I put chocolate explosion in my beard. I mean, there's... Is there anything that was funny that he said? You have a fantastic comedian that's being completely wasted. I mean, I just think he was hired for, to be a, the voice actor there. I don't think it had anything to do with his comedic chops. But what does he bring to it? A voice. He's just a neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Random neighbor. It's, that's fluff. Does he, does he do anything? Does he further it, the story in any way? Well, I mean, okay. So we could totally take apart every blasted cell of this movie if we were so inclined but i'm not i have one thing i know that kalia will love about these last two films and that includes the jim carrey one. Oh, okay the grinch apologizes at the end yes he does now and that's true in the jim carrey one. i will say in the apologize. jim carrey one he apologizes in a weird almost sarcastic way i'm so sorry take me to jail here's my wrist i don't know like it just because he has to be jim Perry. yeah i didn't buy it i didn't buy that he was actually sorry in this one i felt like he was actually sorry 
And, and I kind of like how awkward he was at the party because uh, he's still getting yes. used to people. And it's kind of cute and adorable. <laughs> she answers the door. I wore a tie. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Adorable. I. So that's why I mean, I don't hate this film. There are some really clever bits. It just, it makes me sad that they didn't make it into like a 90 minute feature. Like a 90 minute feature wasn't like 60 or maybe 45 minutes, which wouldn't fit except for a television production. Right. Because I loved the scenes where he was going from house to house and stealing stuff. It was like, that was, that is very Susian. Yes, it was. I, I liked that scene too. I liked Cindy Lou sliding down the hill. I liked her little trap. I thought it was cute. It's a very kid thing. I, I like, you know, it was fine. Home Alone flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it, is it as good as the first original movie? No. But it's it's miles better than the Jim Carrey, and it was inoffensively fun. It was fine. Also, there's another theme that they bring up that really isn't in the original one, except in kind of a, a tangential way. That is actually really interesting. Is we are sometimes the agent of our own unhappiness, mm. and this film hit that theme really hard. Mm-hmm. In a good way, because the Grinch has people reaching out to him all the time. And in the original story, he's just this hermit on the hill. The Who's don't know about him. They're completely mm-hmm. oblivious. And this one, he goes into town and you do have the neighbor who's like, hey, Grinch, blah, blah, blah. And trying to buddy up, even though they didn't give him any decent lines. So when he's unhappy, it's because he's choosing to be. It's He's choosing to isolate. And there is a little bit of backstory where he feels excluded. But again, that that messes up with we don't know why he's upset and now we're trying to reason it out and you have lines sure right okay there so we're saying we don't know yes. why he's like this. okay except that they decided to change that i think you just have to accept but that they keep the line in okay nobody knew as in the town didn't know the grinch knows but that's fine here's the thing it's okay we can have ambiguity in stuff we can be like we don't know why this happened but i'm gonna tell you that's a direct contrast a lot of times especially in kids stuff today i don't know about in the past but kids need some sense of understanding because we are trying in this world right now with generation alpha to build children and to instill empathy in them to children who understand and want to go beyond who don't just accept the status quo of we don't know why just accept it that's the rules that's the tradition right that's the way it's always been don't ask questions so now we take kids and we're like no 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 let's give them a little bit of information because It doesn't hurt anything to have more information and it can help us build empathy. And the whole part of of this Benedict Cumberbatch version is about family and and loneliness, like not being lonely, being family, having somebody together. Fred is there. He's an additional character there to teach us about family. Cindy Lou has a family, which she doesn't have in the first. She's just a tot, right? She's some nameless little child, right? So that we can have him lying to a child, okay? Or whatever, to show us how bad he really is, okay? If there's any point of tension in the original book, it's that he might get caught in that moment and he lies. That's the only point of tension there. Okay, he's super bad. He kicks puppies and he is lies to children. Fine. But in here, we're going to say, no, Cindy Lou is like a little bit more of a, of a person. She has family and he wants family. That's all 
he wants and he doesn't realize that that's what he wants. And I think the main lesson is hurt people, hurt people. And if you can get beyond that, if you can be empathetic and be like, hey, you did a shitty thing, come to dinner anyways. Like that is beautiful. And he didn't just show up with all the stuff and then, you know, get like, just is there in the book. We're just like, and then he cut the rose piece. And I've always, as a child thought, why, why were there no consequences for the Grinch? I love the fact that there is this, like, he's sorry. Like you said, I did love that. And then the, who's encapsulating and epitomizing all those things you want, who's to epitomize Jennifer say, we don't care that you did this bad thing. We're going to reach out to you in the spirit of friendship. And that is what Christmas is. And it's about being together and loving people, even if you don't agree with their life choices. I'm going to bring this back that you light a candle and it does not diminish the candle. That's right. Light another one. Yes. That was your original thought for Christmas. And I'm I'm just bringing that back as Yule. Yes. Yeah. A rounding of the, of the themes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So so when I say Kalia lives her morals, this is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> we accept people, even if we don't agree with them. And I think that that is part of this. And I am glad that there is a version of the Grinch that I can show my daughter that has these lessons about hurt people, hurting people, forgiveness, you know, takes work and it's not instant and that the, the whole point here is to be together. And I, I like it. I, I just liked it. Now, again, I'm not, I mean, maybe we're going to just jump right here, but the first one is a classic. You can't touch it. It's beautiful. It is wonderful. And this but one is only like one Dutch angle very early on. A Dutch angle is when you have kind of things that are slanted and there's the Grinch looking down. If you look at how few animators were in this project. It's done by just this skeleton crew mm-hmm. and they did so much with it. Yeah. And then you have all these like super, super funded movies that can't even come close to that. And that's one of the things I love about Dr. Seuss and about the original is that they were very simple morals. He didn't start writing a moral story. It just kind of came to him as he wrote. That was one of the things that was big with the man himself. Well, and I I think that that's a thing. Simple morals told simply, you know, we don't need a lot of extra stuff. When you tell, when you tell a child a story at bedtime, you don't write a novel, you tell a story. It takes 15 to 20 minutes and then it ends. You're not worried about exposition, enough details, making sure that all five senses are are represented on every page. You're telling the story. You're getting the most important things across. And a lot of times those stories are what matters. And that's what we carry through the story. And then the visuals are another layer, but it should be there to complement the story, not to detract and not to distract from the story. And I feel like the Jim Carrey movie both detracted and distracted from the story. I feel like the Benedict Cumberbatch, it maybe didn't add very much. And I think you would say that it maybe distracted a little bit from what was the point here, but we can go back to the original, the visuals there and the voiceovers, they just complemented what was already a beautiful story. I was not a fan of uh, Benedict's acting in this. It doesn't, he doesn't quite know what to do with his narration from day to day. It almost sounds like his, not his narration. That was Farnell. Well, his, his voice acting, oh. you know, it, 
because he's not an American. And so he kind of sounds this one day and a little different the next day. Is like, yeah. You oh. know, Matthew said the same thing. And I don't know if I just don't hear it the way you guys do, or it just lets it wash over me. But I didn't really pick up on any of that. Like, I can't tell you now what his voice sounds like. It's so weird because as soon as the mom, Donna, said the first sentence, I was like, oh, that's freaking Rashida Jones, right? Like, I knew that voice instantly. And, and Angela Lansbury, there, boom, done. You know, got that. But I'll recognize, I wouldn't have recognized his voice. To me, he's just, it, it was just a voice. It didn't matter that it was Benedict Cumberbatch or whatever. It was just the voice of the Grinch and it was there, the end. But Boris Karloff, I mean, he does an elegant voice. Yeah. And it sounded like Benedict was trying a little too hard to be a cartoon. And it, it, it doesn't have either the gravity or whatever it would take for that to be a memorable character. It didn't phase me, but I can understand why it would bother people because it obviously does. Can we go back to, real fast to the fact that in Benedict Cumberbatch's version, the Grinch wears clothing that looks just like his body, but it is definitely clothing because <laughs> we see him get Yeah, dressed. that was just weird. <laughs> uh, I liked it because it handles the problem of, is he naked all the time? We're like, no, he's not naked. We saw him get dressed. But we still he have just like furry pajamas, but we still it's still the visual of the Grinch that we're expecting. You know, he's not wearing jeans and it's and a hoodie. We need to make shag pajamas a thing. No, we really don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK, so here's one of the things I liked about the original that they could have done here and, and didn't is every character has a different way of walking you know they embody a style the Grinch has a certain way of like pounding across the pavement Max sort of tiptoes he gets cowardly if you see City Loose she's got this dainty little thing everything in the Grinch looks the same there's not enough differentiation and I do think the animation just kind of fell flat in areas there are times when you should see Cindy Lou not looking like I'm a character, I guess. You should see her like being sad that you know she couldn't get her letter to Santa Claus and she's just kind of animated as there. This just felt like if you had people who cared about it a little bit more, it would have been such a better film because it has the potential to be a really good film. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the animation didn't bother me or the voice acting the way it bothered you. There are times I love the animation. And as I said, I love how bright it is. I love the colors. I will say that I agree with you that it could have been better, but I still thought it was pretty darn good. I think if you cut out 45 minutes, if it was half as long <laughs> and you just stuck to the story a little bit better. Well, if you want- Because there's so much, we've seen like the, the reindeer gags so many times. There's so many gags that are just there. It looks like despicable me in Grinch outfit. Well, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. And I have never seen a reindeer sniffing whipped cream before. So that was a new gag for me. I'm not sure what kind of cinema you spend your time watching, but I can bullwinkle. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Classics. I see. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. But what is going to leave you with the biggest cathartic moment? Is it the first one or the third one? Okay. You're, you're not going to enjoy what I'm about to say, but Go for it. I'm going to say the third one had to me a more cathartic moment. And I think partly it was that it was new. It was a novel. Like I knew where we were going. I knew it was how it was going to end. But I had two moments of catharsis in the third one. The first was when Fred and family showed up to help because that is, that is, it's wonderful. We, we laid in those groundwork early on 
with Fred, you know, being there, Fred sleeping in the bed with the Grinch. Like it was cute. Like he was making a friend and then he let Fred cute. go. He was like, yeah, go be with your family because that's more important than my vengeance. Right. I also love that he had to let Fred go, that there was Fred's family. That was a, that was a good element. It wasn't like, it. It, yeah. So I, I, and it was yeah. very on theme. And then to, to thank him, Fred and family showed up to help in the time of need. That's very fairy tale. You know, you do a good turn to somebody and then you get reward. I love that. So I loved, I loved Fred showing up. It wasn't necessarily that he rescued the, the thing, but it was Fred showing up. I really liked that. And then I really liked him at the, at the house being awkward at the, at the door, but actually, it was actually like the moment was when she opened the door and was just like, come on in. And it wasn't like a big deal. We're not going to make a big deal. We're just going to, we've just, we're just decided that we're accepting you. He walked in and there wasn't like, <gasps> you know, this weirdness and people were just like cool and chill. And he was just there. And that was good. And it made me happy because sometimes you just want to go in and not and not have it be a big deal. Just sit down and eat something and be around people who are glad you're here, but also like are not pinning all of their thoughts and emotions and whatever on you. They're having a good time and they've decided to include you. And you're just you just get to be a part of it without having to be, you know what I mean, responsible for it. So I I liked that. I liked both of those things. I did not have any cathartic moment with the Jim Carrey thing. And then I always, you know, I like in, in the original, my favorite moment is when he's going back down with Max is riding along with him. And they're like, bumpity, bumpity, bumpity down. And they're like in this big hurry rush. Like, I think that that's, that's what makes me happy. Cause you're like, yay, here he goes. Max is finally going to be treated like a like, cute little dog that he, that he is. is. Yeah. Yeah. He gets this big slice of the roast beast. He's the first one to get it. So what about you? I have a feeling I know, but what for your cathartic moment, is it still the original or absolutely you made room in your heart? Nope. Okay. <laughs> but again, I don't hate the third one. It got really negative reviews, which I think were unfair because yeah. it's taking some of its cues from the Jim Carrey film. There's a lot of good stuff in it. To me, it's kind of a B minus. It's not a terrible film at all. It's just not going to be one of my yeah. favorites. I would say that the original is an A this third one is either an A minus or a B plus. It's probably more of a B plus, but because I had just watched the F movie of Jim Carrey, it got extra points because it was literally the next thing. Yeah. The contrast alone, as I was watching, it was like, oh my God, this is so pretty. Yeah. And And happy and hopeful. I felt hopeful and I felt glad at the end. And I, yeah. Okay. And I'm sorry. Also, like we've talked about Fred, Fred was a great addition. But can we- I liked Fred in the bed. I like that. Like there's a Rick Grinch going, wow, this is really good coffee. And Max is getting a little jealous of Fred. Uh-huh. Okay. But can we give a shout out to the best character who has ever graced the silver screens in a Christmas movie? And that is the fucking goat. Oh, God. <laughs> Damn it, Kalia. <laughs> all the credits but i got in my head canon that goat shows up at the end of the credits and just screams again because i am head going so hard i have a bruise on my forehead wait what i head desk so hard oh. <laughs> oh 
Did, did you not? Did you not like the the goat? Where's I my f bob for the episode. I loved the goat. <laughs> I get more enjoyment that you enjoyed the goat than yeah. I did from the goat. <laughs> and now I'm going to forever think of that as Kalia's goat. <laughs> you startled the cat too. Your cat or mine? Your oh, cat. Hi. Yeah. She's- <laughs> Okay, but for those of you who are listening, like Kalia did the goat scream and the cat just flipped around and stared at her going, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Well, I feel like we answered our question. Hold on. I know I have something else to say. Do, 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 do. So which film? Oh, so yeah, the original had the best Grinch for you. I can tell that. The third one had the best Max. Yeah, I loved Max in the third one. He was just so sweet and cute. And I, that was one of those where I really am not upset that the Grinch is good to his dog. The Grinch should have worse teeth because they say, oh, you've got termites in your smile. It's like, he, he should be the star of a white crest tooth commercial because his teeth are pearly white and perfect that that Grinch would turn an orthodontist at some point so we've kind of already skipped to the end and done our wrap-ups because you know so best design and visuals i put on you know the first movie kind of but the i have to say the third one had just the most beautiful design yeah it really does and so So that's my notes that i do and similar to how i do my book reviews is i talked about their atmosphere the writing style, the characters, the entertainment value, et cetera. So for atmosphere, um, obviously the first one was kid friendly and easy on the eyes and the senses it's slow, kind of, it's a little slow, it's gentle. And I like that. I don't know if the kids today, um, have the attention span. One of the things I, I saw said, somebody was like, Oh, it was so slow. And I was like, but I mean, you don't have to be in a rush. So there's something to be said for that. I felt like that the Jim Carrey was just an onslaught of ugly, blurry, dark, dreary, trying to be bright, but failing. But the Benedict Cumberbatch, the atmosphere was very Christmassy. Literally, they look like gingerbread houses and they look like they look like the old style almost of computer of like, you know, stop animation with their big heads. At one point, I was uh, thinking of A Nightmare Before Christmas. What's this? What's this? There's Christmas everywhere when the Grinch is walking around and the lights are so bright and pretty. Mm -hmm. Because it is very reminiscent of like that scene and it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of The Nightmare Before Christmas, but I can see your point. I I liked the atmosphere of the of the Benedict Cumberbatch quite a bit. I I thought that it it felt Christmassy and happy and hopeful and the little town with their little shops and all of their little stuff. I have talked a lot about what I liked, but I will tell you there was one thing that kind of threw me in the Benedict Cumberbatch. They have this new Christmas tree. It is ginormous it is oh my god i was thinking you just cut down a 500 year christmas like a 500 year tree that's going to die in half an hour i got the vibe that it was fake but that was maybe just me but anyways and it's it's highly decorated and it is like taller than all the buildings it is massive right and that's where they're they gather and whatever and so the grinch shows up and he ends up on it and whatever but that tree is still there right? Like he doesn't destroy it. It's not destroyed. No, he becomes like the dragon ornament for a little bit. Right, for a little bit, but the tree is still there. So then he goes back up and more of the plot I was thinking the Lorax should kick their asses. More of the plot happens and then he comes to town and he steals everything. He doesn't steal that tree. That tree is just not there anymore. And I was like, what did I miss? Where did that tree go? 
because it would have still been there. But at the very end, when they're all like in their little circle singing and he hears them and looks down with his little binoculars to see them all standing. And there's no tree there. But we didn't. I, did I miss no, this? Is what happens tree when or... you take something that is fine as its own sort of <laughs> oh, myth fable and you try to over explain it. And then you get these weird questions because okay. you're over explaining okay. and under explaining. Okay, stop. Okay. Because <laughs> saying simplicity is sometimes the best. I will say for the characters, obviously the original, they were simple and simplistic, but that's the point. It's a freaking poem. So it was good. I liked the characters, obviously. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. It's a timeless classic, whatever. No, I mean, it is. That's what it is. It's a timeless classic. So I have some trivia. Would you like to hear my trivia? I also have trivia, but let's go with you first. The TV thing was sponsored by a bank, which I think is, it's not just that it was sponsored by something and it was commercial. It was literally sponsored by the symbol of capitalism and money, which is a bank. So that was, I thought that was funny. Okay, here's my another bit of trivia and then I'll let you go. The Amazon Prime version, if you rent or whatever, the original Dr. like the animated 1966 from Amazon Prime, you will also, also get the Grinch Grinches the Cat in the Hat and Halloween is Grinch Night. They just play one right after another as you're watching. Because I was, I was like, this, there's no way this is an hour long movie. Why, why is there so much time? And then we got, you know, to the end of the 20 to 30 minute mark or whatever. And then it just started another little Grinch movie. And I was like, oh, I did not watch the Grinch Grinches, the cat in the hat, nor did I watch Halloween as a Grinchy night. I decided to not do that to myself because I like the Grinch and I want to continue to like him and not. So the Grinch, yeah. um, I had a few iterations before you know, the Grinch stole Christmas. And that's because Geisel liked to, I wouldn't say reuse ideas, but he would perfect them over time. So there are a few times when the Grinch shows up before, you know, the Grinch who stole Christmas and is like most well-known iteration. Uh, one of the reasons why we are getting so many Dr. Seuss movies lately is his widow, Audrey Geisel. Uh, she started uh, Seuss Enterprises, which is now run by her daughter after she died. But she wanted to make sure that Dr. Seuss stories stayed around. And she just said, okay, well, if you're not publishing, you're perishing. You can see that as a mistake or just as something that she tried to do because most of the films have not been handled well by critics. They've not been liked by critics, although they have made blockbusters. Are you talking about like that Mike Myers cat in the hat monstrosity? There's that. Susical was a flop. There was a musical. There was a musical. The, Laura, the, Susical. the Lorax was another illumination yeah. movie. I never so, saw that one either. His widow hated the cat in the hat. Absolutely hated it. I mean, thought Mike Myers was like the wrong actor for it. Uh, when she and uh, Tom were married, that would be Mr. Seuss, Tom Geisel. She sent her daughters to boarding school. Geisel actually never had children. And she apologized to her daughters afterwards. And she thought that her husband just would not get along with the children. So they were sent off to boarding school. And she said, no, maybe I wasn't the best mother, but I was doing the best in the situation. Take it as you will. One of the tragedies of uh, Geisel's life was his first wife, Helen, had a long time illness and died of suicide. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so he and Audrey met when they were both married. And then later on, Audrey divorced her husband to marry Geisel. So look for that movie coming at some point, <laughs> the biopic. If they can do it for Mary Poppins, they'll do it for... Yeah, I mean, he had a really interesting life. Uh, so he was in the army 
core for animation projects. They would do, you know, mm -hmm. this is what we're doing in Germany, sort of films that they would show. And that's how I met Chuck Jones, who was the producer for The Grinch. Lots of interesting stuff going on. So if you hate The Grinch, or not just The Grinch, but if you hate all these adaptations, Audrey's trying to keep them in the public domain. What I will say is... Even if you don't like Jim Carrey, even if you like or don't like this one, there is the perfect version that you can still go back to no matter what. And so it does keep Dr. Seuss alive and relevant. And so I will say that about it. Okay. I have my Star Trek trivia, but before I say that, I just, I think that it, we would be remiss if we didn't point out that there has been in recent years, a backlash against Dr. Seuss and his works, because there are some uncomfortable messages and stereotypes. And you can say, well, it was the time people, blah, 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 which is an explanation, but it doesn't negate the harm that can be done with these racist depictions. I will link for more information about that in our show notes. Um, you can read about the controversy, the controversy that exists, and then the pretend controversy that Fox News decided to make about it, uh -huh. because those are two very separate things that you could know about. But so, yeah, some of this was during the war effort where we did make cartoonish images of our enemies. Um, some of it was just, yeah, just really poor choices. Um, Geisel did do some pornography drawing and it looks really bizarre. It looks like he had never seen a woman. And in his later years, he wrote some adult books. I don't recommend them. <laughs> so, but speaking of basically the, the Dr. Seuss estate, one of my bits of trivia, well, one of my bits of trivia is every, it, it's so obvious. It's Benedict Cumberbatch was con in Star Trek Into Darkness. So, okay, that's easy. Everybody knows that. Here we go. Here's a couple other pieces that you might not know. There was an unauthorized mashup of Star Trek and Dr. Seuss. It was a book titled, Oh, the Places You'll Boldly Go. And they actually had to go to court. There was a ruling by a three-judge panel, the U.S. Court of Appeals, Ninth Circuit. It concerned the Kickstarter-backed book created by Comic Mix that inserted Star Trek characters into the whimsical pastel world that Dr. Seuss had created for his 1990 children's classic, Oh, the Places You'll Go. The comic mix book, a primer on Star Trek characters and lore, replicated broad swaths of Dr. Seuss original, including small details of the illustrations. So that say, they said it's not protected. They were arguing that it was permissible under fair use, a legal defense that grants satirists, um, and remixers some leeway under certain circumstances, but in overturning the lower court ruling, these th judges declared that the publication failed to meet the required standards of fair use, partly because it was not a parody or otherwise transformative. So there you go. That's a little bit of Star Trek, Dr. Seuss trivia. And then just in case you didn't know, William Miles Irwin or Bill Irwin, who was in the Jim Carrey version as Lulu, who Cindy Lou's father, he is currently, or he has been in Star Trek Discovery without giving too much away. He's a Kelpian like Saru, and he was very important in the end of the third season and is in the first episode of the fourth season. So that's Bill Irwin. Also, Clint Howard who you know has been all over Star Trek, and we'll get to that in a second, was in the 2000 How the Grinch Stole Christmas. He was Hubris, <laughs> which is a great name. Uh, I think he was like the little uh, sycophant kind of guy to Mayor Mayhew, whatever. But you know, Clint Howard is in Star Trek. 
Of course you do. He was also Ron Howard's brother. But in Star Trek, his Star Trek credits include he was Baylock in the original series episode, The Corbinite Maneuver, which is one of the best episodes of Star Trek of all time. He was also Grady in DS9's Past Tense Part 2. He was Muck in the Enterprise episode of Acquisition, playing a Ferengi. And then he was, and I kid you not, credited as Creepy Orion in the Discovery episode, Will You Take My Hand? I also have a little bit of um, trivia, one more last bit. Okay. So... If you look at the third film, it's got kind of like an Arizona, Utah look to it. Like there's snow, but it's got kind of like um, that mountain look underneath. There is a cave in Utah that they used as a Grinch getaway. So it has like all these little like you could get hoo hash in there. It's got all these little hidden treasures. So yeah, there's somebody who came up with uh, the Dr. Seuss 3000 feet up on the side of Mount Crumpet holiday getaway. Very cool. So there you go. For that last minute gift, if you need something, book a getaway. We get no money for this, but it sounds awesome. Yeah. So you could get who pudding and who hash. Who hash. I remember running to the cage and find like little cute things that are very Susian. Fun. Okie day. Well, there we go. <laughs> it's our, our holiday episode here. Yeah, I guess, I mean, we've really answered it, but, you know, are they worth your time? Yes, we've said the ones we think are worth your time and the ones we don't think are worth your time. So we did it out of order this time, but that's okay because it's the holidays and we can do that. And we will be back in your feeds in two more weeks to talk about another quote unquote holiday movie. So watch your feeds for that. I won't say what it is now because that would ruin the surprise. And Jennifer, this was fun, even if you're wrong. And I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> there goes that agree to disagree. Yes. I'm going to have to fight you. You definitely agree to disagree. Such, such is the way it is. Yeah. So this was fun. And thank you so much. All right. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy Yule. Happy Yule. Indeed. Happy Kwanzaa. Have a very thoughtful and provoking Hanukkah, whatever. <laughs> May you never run out of oil or food or light or cookies or coffee or paper chocolate covered raisins whatever it is that makes you happy these holiday season i i don't need raisins warm cute socks i love warm cute socks okay bye